Oh, you guys are far too kind to come here on your Sunday. We don't take it for granted. How y'all feeling? Y'all all right? Man, look, I told, uh, told Justin and Aaron, we should have a Sunday where our youth and young adults actually run a whole Sunday service so, so we could be children again and like get over ourselves. Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be great. For a second, just put your hands over your heart. I got something. And close your eyes and just feel God's presence. And I hear God, he's encouraging someone right now. You don't have to keep running towards the gates and the obstacles. To take a moment, take a second. And look at the sea that he's already split. That mountain you climbed, you can actually chill for just a minute and look at the view. We as God's people, we tend to skip the blessing. And for the last week or month, you guys have achieved and done the unbelievable And it's okay to actually celebrate. It's okay to look at the moments that you thought were impossible. I started this morning by saying, uh, yesterday was a victory because today's an opportunity. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yesterday was victory because today is opportunity. That, That thing pumping on your hand and in your heart right now. That's victory. You're alive. You're breathing. And it's all right to have joy. Did y'all know that? All right. So give God a round of applause for who he is. All right. And y'all have a good time because I like energy. Let me open up my open up my HP here. I could I could feel the Apple people judging me from afar. Your judgment, but God qualifies the unjust. So, Lord, use this HP. And, and you guys who are judging me, you Apple people, stop it. God's working on me. So before I get started, I guess I should introduce myself. I am uh, Davon. I go by day because I feel at home. That's what they call me at the crib. Born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, that's right. We got one. So, if you are a Steelers fan, if you are a Pirates, yeah! If you are a Pirates fan, if you are, if you went to the University of Pittsburgh, you are instantly family. I love you and I thank you. Or if you like cheesesteaks and french fries with cheese and chives and all the kind of stuff that clogs your arteries. <laughs> Uh, we are family and I appreciate you and I'm not going to dwell on uh, my, my life too much I was born in Pittsburgh Hill District uh, which in the 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s was considered Little Harlem and then this thing called gentrification <laughs> came and uh, changed our city but it made me who I am uh, family athletics and music kept me out of trouble. 
Of course, we had gangs. Of course, we had drugs. And it was any, like any other Midwest city, Chicago, Ohio, Cleveland. But God had his hands on me even before I knew it. So I went to school in Philadelphia. Any, any people from Philly? All right. Sorry. <laughs> um, went to school at an HBCU, Cheney University. Whoop, whoop. I know y'all ain't go there either because 30% of the room is African-American. But it's all right. We have uh, HBCUs here in NC State, so we'll work on that. And while there, um, kept doing my thing with music, wanting to be a rapper. I'm doing the circuit battle raps in the cafeteria in, in Durham's and uh, um, talent shows and things like that. And I met a good friend of mine who said, hey, man, my brother is starting a record label in New York. Long story short, he convinced me to move to New York City, drop out of school. I was on my Kanye. It's like, school? I don't need school. I'm going to be famous. And needless to say, I get to New York and everyone's a rapper. It is the home of hip hop. And I didn't become famous. <laughs> but I did meet my wife uh, while on the grind. She's going to kill me because I'm giving her attention. Stand up, Danielle. Oh, she's turning red. Stand up, girl. Oh, the Lord says to obey your husband. She is an obedient wife. She's going to kill me. Y'all pray for me. Um, but uh, while there, I'm, <laughs> um, I had to get a real job. And I got a real job at Well Medical Cornell, which is a very popular hospital in Manhattan. If you ever watch Seinfeld, anytime they go to the hospital, it was, that was Well Medical. Uh, any people from New York in here? All right, New York, New York. Um, and we made our friends there. We got connected with people. One person I want to highlight was a good friend of ours that we met there. And his name was, well, we, we called him Corny Allen. Because Allen was the Christian. He was the Christian of the group. He was the believer of the group. And um, Allen... He did something amazing for us. He was actually evangelizing without us even knowing it. He would say things as I'm busting my raps, cursing and poop, pop and pop and poop, pop, pop. And Alan, instead of being like, bro, that is ungodly. He would sit there. He would probably in his spirit like, ooh. But then he would pour out and he said, yo, that was dope. That was good. But here's how I do it. And he was himself. He was himself. Uh, unashamed, uncandidly, and he stood the ground with me and with a lot of us who are uh, not so Christian. <laughs> and Alan became very dependable. Alan became one of our most consistent friends and um, here I am with this Saul to Paul moment, right? We all know that in the Bible, Saul was like the killer of the Saints, and here I am becoming corny day. Oh, hopefully becoming corny day to some of us and following Alan as Alan followed Jesus. Right. And so here I am, hopefully encouraging you guys to be the person you're called to be in Jesus name. Amen. So I want to uh, briefly read or talk a little bit to um a couple people. Do you guys mind? Y'all with me? Yeah. All right. 
I know it's overcast and rainy outside, but feels like home <laughs> from Pennsylvania. So first, I want to talk to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord, my Savior, for shedding your blood while I was still lost. Thank you for freeing me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me your life, your guidance, your wisdom, your gift as we try to navigate a world that is hard to navigate. Without you, Holy Spirit, we would be lost. Thank you. Thank you for knowing us, God, before we knew ourselves, for believing in us before we believed in ourselves. Now, can I talk to you guys? Is that okay? What's up, bro? How you doing? Give me five. The stage is yours. All right. He didn't want to. All right. Um, I also want to say thank you. Thank you for loving my family, my friends, my uh, close relatives. Thank you so much for believing in me. Church, thank you so much for allowing me this platform uh, to glorify God. It's not about me. And today, I hope this message challenges you like he's being challenged on a stage. Get up. I hope it challenges you. And it's, I wouldn't call this successful if you haven't taken this and you go back to our Lord and our Savior and talk about it and unpack it. So let's read uh, one of my life verses really quickly. First Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. And... The church I grew up with, they said, give me a finger when you once you got there. Who's opening their Bible? Who's opening their app? All right. Well, give me a finger once you once you're there. All right. We got one. We got one. Come on, Mike. I see you. All right. We got two. Greg, Jacob. All right. They say we're two or more come together. We agree. So that's all I needed. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. That I might win more of them. Anybody like winning? Raise your hand. All right. We're in the right place. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside of the law. Y'all with me following to the weak? I became weak that I might win the weak. There's that word again. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save someone. Can y'all say save? Yes. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and you in his blessings. Amen. Nothing wrong with winning y'all. So I want to share a little bit early on about uh, how I viewed the church. Early on in my belief and being saved, I've always seen the church as more than like more than a place where you come to hear a couple songs you may or may not like and then listen to a band. I've seen the church more as like a place where you come and see like finely dressed people with nice shoes. Wink, wink. Speak until you're like bored and you zone out and then it's like, what's for lunch? I've also 
Seeing the church more than just a place where you come to complain and to make wishes to God like he's a genie. I've seen the church as a couple of things. I've seen it as a, a place to invest, like a bank, right? Where resources get put in the storehouse and they don't just stay here, but we use the resources, both natural and supernatural. I've also seen the church as a hospital. It's a bunch of sick, broken people here with stitches and ailments. And I always say, like, this is my favorite, one of my favorite sayings. Once you stepped into the room, the church is no longer perfect. Y'all ever heard that one? The second you walk in, it's, it's no longer perfect. And I've also seen the church and the message that I'm going to talk about today as a fitness center. I've seen it as a gym, right? So today's message and the title that I'm going to talk about today Um, And of course, it would be a play on words as a creative, as a poet, as a artsy, fartsy speaker uh, is the pulpit. Can y'all say it with me? The pulpit. And as I said, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. So at any time, that word will be pull, 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 P-O-O-L-P-U-L. I'll mess it up, but y'all just stick with me. We all start off just like a gym or a fitness center. We don't want to come, right? Anybody else, like the second you know you have to go to the gym, you schedule it, you put it on your agenda, and you get up that morning, you're like, God, that's the last place I want to go. It's leg day. I'm sore from yesterday's workout. I don't think I want to go, right? But today, like I said, I hope this encourages you. So the word pulpit is defined as this, a raised platform, a lectern in a church, a classroom, or a chapel from which the preacher, our speaker, our teacher delivers a sermon or his message. Now, I'm sure the inventors, like I'm sure the inventors of pulpits meant well, right? A pulpit has function. It looks good. And back in those days, they didn't have like Ian or Owen or a team like we had last week when we were running like chickens with our heads cut off, (laughs) trying to figure out what the sound is going to look like or what the sound will sound like. Excuse me. And they meant well. They wanted people to experience the message. They wanted people to have a good seat because they didn't have microphones and and. Before you know it, this is what you have. You have a pool pit. But just like we do, right? We as human beings, we find a way to make it all about us, all about ourselves, how we're singing, how we're preaching, how we're doing our job. Why are we not getting recognition? Where the whole intention of the pulpit was to be used as a vessel. Right. To share the word of God, to share your knowledge, to share wherever you are in the context of your platform. It was it was never meant for just you and your glory. It was meant for God's glory. Amen. Let me get a a clap 
for that. And Jesus knew this about us, right? He knew we would make it about us. He knew we would make it about what we're doing, what we're not doing, the glory, the shame, and everything in between. And our sweet brother Jesus knew he had to do something to fix our impractical pulpits. About people who were trusted and called to minister the word of God or minister wisdom, knowledge, or whatever else you are in your stage and share with your fellow men in order that God would be glorified. Not separated by class. Not separated by race. Not separated by your political association. About how you worship. About how you sing. About sin and mental health. But to want the best for people in the moment you're being used. See, Jesus came down off of his throne. He came down off of his mighty, anointed, holy position in heaven to dwell amongst sinners, people like you and me. To lift us. Can y'all use do you, you get curls? To lift us from the pulpit position. See, he could have easily stayed up here, but he came down out of heaven to walk, to dwell, to speak, to be with us. And not just to stay there in your sorrow and your guilt, but to lift you up and show you the character of our father. So the question is, what does Jesus care about? And if you've... (laughs) If you study that all, here's here's the here's the uh, kicker. Jesus cares about the same things God cares about. And what Jesus cares about, hopefully I'm in the right church. Y'all care about the same things Jesus cares about, right? All right, we got a couple claps. <laughs> See, I care about people and their well-being because guess what? Jesus cares about people and their well-being. I care about seeing each and every one of you set free, running and striving and not living in procrastination and hesitance and disbelief because Jesus cares about you living to your full potential. I care about my life, my family, because Jesus cares about my life, my family and my faith. I care about my future. I care about my position. I care about what I feel look like because Jesus cares about what I look like, what I feel like my position in life. And of course, he cares about all of our futures. See, I care about what God cares about. And today we want to unpack one of the most important things he cares about. Actually, he does not ask. He expects it. He expects us to love each other as he has loved us expectations. It's a word that in Western culture gets such a bad rep, but Jesus and his expectations will set you free. So I want to talk a little bit about a time where Jesus shows us just again, how he comes down off the pulpit. Can you 
Read with me, or you can turn to your Bible, John 13. We'll start at 19. John 13, 19, 35. Give me two fingers when you know you're there. One, Jacob, you win. Two, all right, we good. So I'm going to just tell you, all I started off reading the Action Bible. It was the first thing to stick, (laughs) and I read with a little swagger, so I may act out some of these words so all of you people who say that's not what the scripture says I'm just acting I'm acting it out here we go I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen you will believe that I am who I am very truly I tell you whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me after he said this Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, "Mm, very truly, I tell you, one of you are going to betray me. His disciples started and stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. Which one? Yo, he tripping. I wouldn't do that, would you? No. Very truly, I tell you, his disciples stared. Okay, one of them, the disciple Jesus loved, was reclining next to him and Simon Peter motioned to that disciple and said hey man ask him ask him which one he means leaning back against Jesus he asked Lord who is it who is it that will betray you Jesus answered it is the one that I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish then dipping the piece of bread he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot poor Simon Iscariot Like your son messes up and you are forever known as that dude's dad. (laughs) Don't you do it, Quest. That's my son, Quest. I will not be known as the guy who messed up his dad. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. On some bad carbs. (laughs) Some evil carbs. Don't eat bread. So... (laughs) So Jesus told him what you are about to do, man. Listen, just do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him since Judas had been in charge of the money. Some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what he needed for the festival or to give it to the poor. He's in charge of the money, right? You make an assumption. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. It's funny that we actually call money bread, right? That's weird. Double entendre. Anyway, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. Now, here's the nugget. Here's the most important part. So if you've been on Instagram, if you've been texting, uh, if you've been digging up your nose, I don't know. um, This is the part I want you to get ready. Get your Chick-fil-A sauce for this nugget here. Shout out to Chick-fil-A. A new command I give you, love one another. Can you say love? Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. There's that ultimatum. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples 
if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. And the church said, yo, what a wild dinner party, right? I mean, you've been working, doing ministry, seeing miracles, healings. And I didn't I didn't read this before. But the second y'all go to rest up and regroup. To have dinner before the festival, you get this encounter. But Jesus starts it off. By wrapping a towel around his feet, I mean, his waist, bending down to wash his disciples feet. Anybody here? Like, I hate feet. Anybody else? Is it just me? And you got to think back at that time. They didn't have like Birkenstocks uh, um, sandals, right? And they walked in deserts full of dirt. There was donkeys. And we've all seen donkeys and horses. And what they do well is poop. There's junk everywhere. There's crap on their journey. It's a mess. And this dude that you just, this man that you call rabbi, Lord, king, and you've watched and witnessed him do the most miraculous things ever. He chooses in that moment to kneel down and wash his disciples' feet. The most undesirable job. The most unholy job. And we know Jewish people were really traditional. That was the job no one wanted. But Jesus came off of his throne came off of his pulpit to do meal prep. (laughs) And then you got to think about the tension in the room. We've all, raise your hand, we've all been at those dinners where you know one person does not like the other. (laughs) This person gossips about this person. Uh, The baby just got a whooping and the parent is heated and she got to go and smile at you as you eat charcuterie. And it's just so weird. You want to do like Judas. You want to run. You like, check, please. It looks like you guys don't want to do this right now. I'm just going to bounce. But in that moment, in that time, in the most awkward, hardest place, Jesus chose to do that right there to share two of probably the most important things that we as believers have today to be a servant. Come down off your pulpit. Do life with people and love one another as I have loved you. And like this could have been his most viral moment ever. This could have went biblically viral. (laughs) If he chose a temple, if he chose a synagogue, if he chose somebody to battle one of the one of one of the uh, Sadducees. And he says, you know what? I mean, he could have did Tom Cruise jump on the furniture and love one another. But he chose to do it. At the dinner table. He chose to do it with friends. And his moment where it was probably one of the hardest moments in his 33 years on life on earth. He shared. That in detention came down off his pulpit and he said, I, I don't think this is something that I need to let public. This is something for you. A new command I give you. Command is in all caps. Command is not an option. Command is not a choice. 
A command is a command. We got any military people in here? All right. So when authority gives you a command, you do it, right? Is God in authority? Command. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how do we honor? Here's the how. How do we love one another and honor Jesus's command and the sacrifice that he made for us to come down off of his pulpit? How do we get to the point where the world loves, knows, and desires Jesus just by us demonstrating and reflecting how to love one another? Because if we can't get along, how will the world know Jesus? We fight in church. We fight amongst each other. How is the world going to want that? According to what our Lord and Savior said, it starts by imitating Jesus. How he made, saved, and kept family and friends and important moments. And finally, doing what it takes to come off of our high, uppity, gaudy, sometimes dusty pulpits and to come down and do life and share life and do practical things with people that he places in your immediate circle. Those who are blind can now see because of you. Those who are sick, those who had no clue how to navigate life, we get the chance. So I briefly shared how I see the church as a gym, right? Y'all with me? It's a place where we get spiritually and mentally stronger. I want to share with you guys some faith exercises. Y'all ready to work out? Y'all ready? All right, stretch your arms in your seat. Give some shoulder shrugs, some uh, triceps. Don't pull a hamstring because that's embarrassing. How'd you pull a hamstring? Stretching my upper body in church? Have y'all ever wondered why people who, um, like, they made it. You're swole. You're strong. You can run 20 laps. You are cut up. You got 7%. Why are you still coming to the gym? That's you. Yeah, that's Greg said. That's me. (laughs) That's because they've learned the discipline and the training of routine. They found that being consistent in the basics is what allows you to excel in the greater thing. So as we share a little bit about some of these things, which you've all probably heard because you've been saved for so long, uh, we, we need to make some of these things routine, right? Y'all with me? Y'all ready to work out? All right. So let me call uh, the Thomas family. Y'all ready? Come on, Rob and Joanne. Come on up. Give them a round of applause. We're going to do a demonstration. I like demonstrations. Oh, Lord. Come on up. We're going to work out today. Can y'all read that for me? What's that say? Burdens. Burdens are heavy, right? Come on over here. Y'all look so cute. Y'all going on a date after this? All right. So, Joanne. As I read this, I want you to lift your burden. Try to lift it. And then, Rob, you just follow, all right? Galatians 6 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, 
you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. So y'all walk around and lift that around. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And I love my brother Paul because he was, he was a gangster. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. And uh, this is Ebonics. You ain't that important. Does it say ain't? Oh, I didn't see it. Is anybody? Thank you, guys. You can. Oh, y'all looking in each other's eyes and stuff. You lift my burdens, baby. Thank you. Give a round of applause. So as I as I read that, is anybody else convicted? Is anybody else convicted? Like we have to be reminded that when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ struggling, that we we're supposed to help them lift their burdens, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a random text. I was just thinking about you. The next routine is God sustaining and lifting you up. Can I call Ned? Come on up. Come on up, family. You got Jet with you today? Come on, give a round of applause for Ned. So I want to talk about God lifting. You're going to be God today. And I get to slap you in the chest. You ready? Holy Spirit. God lifts you. All right. I want you to, however you do it, because God works in mysterious ways. You want to squat, lift them on the shoulders, run them around, whatever you want to do. Psalm 42. I'm going to try not to cry because this is good. Y'all listen. Sometimes we cry too. Y'all get that? He lifted me out of the pits of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walk along. Leviticus 26, 13. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads up high. We're children, right? Psalm 30, verse 1. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Anybody got any enemies? We all do. Thank you, God. Thank you, son of God. Oh, he's going to jump. Oh, I was about to say, God, woo! God works, baby. Wrestle with God. So when you know where you were in life, right? And this is serious, y'all. When you know where you were in life, where you know where you've come from, where you came from, who you used to be, and he pulled you, came down off of his pulpit and pulled you out of the muck, out of the mire. How can you not be excited? How can we not be thrilled to run at the opportunity and speak life into the people and be with people who look very familiar because we were those people to jump at the chance to be your version of corny day or corny Allen and push through when people judge you and say, I, I don't know if I don't know if I need that right now, but your consistency in the practical things wins them over. 
if willing, y'all, we get the we get the opportunity to see people set free before our very eyes. And um, this last lifting exercise, I want to bring Jess, Jessica. Come on up, Jessica. Give her a round of applause. So I want to talk about lifting his holy name. So, Jess, when there's times where you're so thankful, where you're just like ridiculously blessed and you want to call out the name of Jesus, can you demonstrate just in a couple lines and don't be like, don't make everybody fall out, all right? (laughs) What does that sound like? Jesus! I'm so grateful. I love you. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. God, I just thank you. You're so awesome. You're amazing. You highlight my life. Father, I just thank you, God, because you're great and mighty. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to know you and who you are. Now walk off with you like you're, you walk off like you just worked out because... Give a round of applause again. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, all of these things and so much more is what strengthens your faith. First, lifting other people's burdens. It's not about always you. Second, letting God sustain and lift you up. And then the third thing is to glorify him. Amen. Thank you. So this last scripture and we're wrapping up. I want you to turn to Romans five about faith and strength. And if it's on the screen for those who want to read read along. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And I'm, I'm going to highlight some words, so I'll say those louder, that have to do with pulling, lifting, and exercise. Because of faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run, run exercise into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop, develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens, strengthens our confidence and hope in salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I'm sorry to bust your little bubble, but hope does not lead to disappointment. It doesn't make sense. For we know how dearly God loves us because he gives us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Will you accept the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's a gift. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And I'm going to skip a little bit down to 12. 
Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard amongst you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them respect, give them respect, and wholeheartedly love because of their work and live peacefully. There's that word again, peace with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, and take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. All through these texts, you hear lifting, work, friendship, joy, peace, work, lifting, joy, freedom, honor, celebrate, respect, hold countable, accountable, joy, lift. It's work, y'all. It's a gym. And honestly, it's not easy. But each and every time you get here, each and every time you get the opportunity to lift burdens, to lift people, to be lifted, we become stronger. Nobody said it was easy. And honestly, it's much easier to be the beneficiary, right? It's easy to to be the one everybody pours into. It's easy to be the one who's God's going to bless you. You, you, you are amazing. It's easy to be the one to watch other people's testimonies and testaments and say, wow, that's good for them. But God calls us not only to be the ones loved, he's asked us to be the one loving other people. He commands us to love one another. And with so many people continuing to suffer from fear, from anxiety, jealousy, envy, disbelief, depression, oppressive behavior, all the things that God does not desire, right? It gets harder to pull people out of their pits and to come down off of there because that's convenient. That's easy. And does anybody else struggle with just seeing people like torment themselves? And to live a life that like you're just like, man, if you only knew who you were, is that just me? Do I have a couple people where you just watch people make bad choices? And it's just like. For for those of you like me, I have some good news for you. So lean in, take the wax out your ear here. Here's some good stuff. God is not asking you to be the sole purpose of giving their life to Jesus. And being saved. He's not asking you to be their savior. God is not also asking you to ignore people's behaviors. And the whack things they may do. And God is not asking us. To use our own strength to pull people. And come down off of our platforms to pull people up. He's not asking you to do it in your strength. And maybe that's the issue. We've been doing it in our own strength. But what God is asking you to do is to trust him. God is asking you to obey him. And he's not asking this one. He's commanding us in our best ability to be with people and to love, to love 
as he has loved us. And maybe that's, maybe that's a good place to start. Maybe you don't know how much he loves you. Maybe you don't know how much he believes in you. So we want to contend together and pray, first of all, for God to reveal this supernatural love. So stand up with me as we finish up here. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. couple people I want to invite up front to be brave. If you've been struggling with embracing a love that is so, so freeing, but it's awkward and it's crazy because Jesus sees past all of your sin and you just haven't really understood it yet, I'll invite you to come up front. If you've been struggling with your identity in Christ, if you have just haven't found a way to really love yourself, Come on up front and be brave. Second group I want to call is some of us who are complacent with relationships and everything is like surface and there's a deep burning in you to share the gospel. And not just with everybody on the platforms and pulpits, but in the simple things. There's somebody who God has highlighted to you. I need my son. I need my daughter. I need this person to receive me. And you've been going through the motions of just like chilling and hanging out. Come up front if there's somebody that God has called you to preach the gospel. Let's close our eyes and let's pray and meditate as we wrap up. Jesus, you've demonstrated just how much you love us. That in the moments where we have no desire at all to be loved, where we are disappointed in ourselves, in that place, in that darkness, in that disbelief, you love us. You love us before we perform any Sermon before we do any job, before we log on to any computer, before we sell any house, before we started any business, before we've made our first million, you've loved us. Thank you, Jesus, for your supernatural love, for your healing, for your grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are leading those who need to minister and preach in simplicity and practicality and jump off the pulpit to want to preach down to people. You are giving us a new way, new creativity, new vision to slide under the radar like Alan did for me by simply being at the table rather than the pulpit. Father, there are pastors, there are worship leaders, there are prophetic people here that would never get the chance to stand up here, but they are valuable. They are needed. But God, they need assurance in you that they can pull, lift, throw, and hold the weight Thank you, God, that you don't put too much on us that we cannot manage. 
spoiler, you guys can manage. You guys can be, and we can love as Jesus loved us and change a world by just hanging out. We love you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for washing our feet. We thank you for showing us what it means to be a servant. And we value life more than the pulpit. Thank you, Jesus.